You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech show, and we have a great program for you today. Uh, we will be talking about the government. They have been tracking our movements via our smartphones during the pandemic. So all our trips to the liquor stores, pharmacies, they know it all. We'll uh, get to the bottom of that. Apple, John, this is kind of uh, kind of sad in a, a small way. They're discontinuing the last iPod. Any surprise? I actually didn't realize they were still selling them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it is a sad day. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, we'll talk more about it. Uh, and also, Apple, Google, and Microsoft are joining together for a passwordless login. In the future, we might not need to know our passwords anymore. And God, I, I'm hoping for that future sometime soon. So we'll uh, give you the details on that. Uh, let's get into some of the tech news out there, uh, John. Um, Google had their big I.O. conference. This is a big developers conference they have uh, every year, typically during uh, May. We're going to be covering this uh, more in depth on the uh, app show coming up uh, tomorrow across the Chorus Radio Network or Saturday nights if you're in Toronto. Uh, what were some of the, the highlights for you, John? Uh, I think the big thing, the the common phrase we kept seeing at I.O. was artificial intelligence or AI and how Google's using it in a lot of different places to do some pretty interesting things like fixing your crappy webcam quality using AI. I, I find that interesting. You know, they've done wonders with their cameras on their, their Pixel smartphones. The, the hardware, when it comes down to the chips they're using... Uh, on on their camera phones, I mean it's good, but it's typically not like as good as like what Apple or Samsung has. But still, they're taking just as good pictures, if not better, sometimes because of the advanced software they're using. Yeah, it's kind of like having Photoshop built into the camera snapshot process directly. Like, there's not a lot of post processing you need to do with some of these photos, and they're shockingly good for not having the top tier, like you said, hardware. So what will be interesting is how they uh, incorporate that into some of the things that uh, they are doing with uh, Google Meet, which is kind of their version of, uh, I guess, Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams. So they're going to be building in AI to basically make uh, all the webcams out there have better video and also working with the audio uh, as well, which would uh, be, uh, be interesting. Uh, John, there's some hardware announcements as well from them. Yeah, they they announced a whole pile of stuff. They announced a Google Pixel 6a, which is their sort of mid-tier, lower-cost uh, smartphone. They announced, uh, or I guess finally confirmed what we've talked about in the past, the elusive found-in-a-bar prototype uh, Pixel Watch. And um, probably the coolest thing that they showed, though, um, is a prototype of some AR glasses that you wear, and they these actually look like normal glasses too, which is a key point with a lot of these smart glasses and that type of thing. But what it does is it, the way they described it is it gives you subtitles for the real world and using AR artificial reality or augmented reality, I should say uh, it actually puts a translation directly in front of you in augmented reality. So if you're talking with someone that's speaking in a foreign language, it's translating in real time, and you basically get subtitles on that conversation right in front of you. 
That is pretty uh, amazing stuff. So again, these are some of the Google stories that uh, we'll give you more uh, in-depth coverage of on our app show, which is our sister show that comes uh, Sundays on the Chorus Radio Network and uh, Saturday nights if you are in Toronto. John, uh, when it comes to cars, it's been uh, difficult during the pandemic. Uh, The supply chain has been hit pretty heavily. The chip shortage has hit the car manufacturers uh, as well. And EVs, electric vehicles, especially now that gas has gone miles high as far as price, uh, they have uh, been doing pretty well. And now it looks like uh, Volkswagen has uh, basically said that their supply of electric vehicles are basically sold out in the U.S. and Europe for all of 2022. Any surprise there? No. The funny thing is, if you just if you ever drive past like a car dealership nowadays, especially one that you know has EVs, it's a ghost town. They they don't have a lot of stock on even gas vehicles, but EVs especially. Uh, the pre-orders for those things are one to two years out, and it's across the board now. And the thing is, all of the manufacturers have fantastic offerings; they just can't make them fast enough. It's it's crazy, and I, I know a lot of these car dealerships they're just trying to get their hands on any used electric vehicles right now, and the prices for these uh, used EVs are sky high; they're through the roof. Um, I, I could probably actually make money selling my Tesla right now. Yeah, me too. But then well, you, you don't have another option to purchase because you'd be waiting. <laughs> no, you know, and and even Ford, uh, you know, they uh, came out with their Ford F one fifty Lightning uh, truck. It's uh, a very popular EV truck, and they are not taking any any orders for it right now, or any reservations uh, for that no. uh, that matter. Because again, they are overwhelmed with the uh, the orders. So I don't know when it's going to get uh, better, John. I think we're still at least a year away. I would say at least, yeah. It's interesting because you mentioned the chip shortage. Apparently BMWs, um, the non-EV versions of them, have been shipping without CarPlay and Android Auto support because they don't have the chips for them. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I No, I've heard that with some of the other manufacturers uh, as well. Uh, I think even Ford uh, basically telling customers you can get the car but certain functionality might not work obviously it's you know nothing to do with safety or the you know the driving of the vehicle itself but typically it's around the infotainment units isn't it yeah although i did hear i think it was ford they didn't they can't ship heated seats because they don't have the chips for that either (laughs) i mean the functionality is there they just don't have the the box to to make it work so at some point in the future if you were to buy one of these vehicles the dealer will add that back in and then you'll have your heated seats but it might be a while god can you john can you just think of the cost this is uh coming across to the car makers like they after they get the chips then they've got to bring all these cars back in and and all the labor involved to put you know i'm sure it's not an easy install yeah, I mean, you would hope it'd be just like a plug a module in, but that's not quite how cars are made. So, no, usually those modules or chips are typically deep inside somewhere, so it's not just like a little USB key that they're sticking in. Yeah, you have to take the whole dash apart to get at that component board and go in there from that. Talking about uh, EVs, uh, Tesla. You know, we've we've spoken a lot about their self driving capabilities uh, to get the full self driving. I think when I purchased mine, it was like $9,000 Canadian. I said, no, because they haven't even brought it out yet. Like, why would I pay for something that's not even available? 
And it's still really not available. It's still in beta. Not everyone can get it, even if they've paid for it. That price has gone up to almost 13000 Canadian now. What a deal. Is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the, uh, the someone created a hack to put CarPlay into your Tesla? Yeah, it looks crazy and stupid. It looks really involved. It needs two Raspberry Pis, which are unobtainium right now as well because of the chip shortage. Yeah, I, I, I went through some of the instructions on how to do it. You've got to be really dedicated and have a lot of spare time. <laughs> and, you know, to what end? Like the Tesla navigation and whole infotainment center is is good. You know what I mean? I would say in some cases it's better than Apple CarPlay and, and Android Auto. Yeah, there's some features on Apple CarPlay. I, you know, I wish I had better iPhone integration, no question. But like, why? Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because this big involved workaround will probably get broken the next update for the Tesla system as well. <laughs> you know, Elon Musk is just uh, waiting to hit the the update button on the cars to, yeah. to break it. Uh, Apple, they have, uh, this is interesting, they've won a patent for an automated electric vehicle charging station. I wonder if that'll go with the Apple car that's been rumored for years. Do you think there is an Apple car, John? Like, I mean, we keep hearing about it. They've got some secret division that they're hiring all these car developers or car engineers. But this is either like the best secret ever kept at Apple or that's just not the the road they're going down, so to speak. I, I don't doubt there is an Apple car, but I don't think it's meant to be a consumer product. I have a feeling it's they're using it as a platform to better figure out how they can integrate their technology into a vehicle and then partner with someone like, say, a BMW or Kia or whomever, and then that functionality gets built into the car. I don't think they're going to be building cars. I guess it would almost make sense, John, if they came out with technologies that every single car could have. Kind of like how Apple CarPlay yeah. isn't available for every new car coming out. Like, why wouldn't you make technology that isn't just available to your own car, but would be available to tens of millions of cars? Yeah, although the Apple MO is always to be sort of exclusive too, right? It's like, come to this side. We have cookies and CarPlay. <laughs> But everyone has CarPlay now, John. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's probably more to it than just uh, a better CarPlay experience. It's probably more integration with the full screens, integration with the uh, air conditioning and the creature comforts, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll Augmented reality heads-up displays in the car. Yeah, we'll have to follow that story as we get more info. We're going to have to take a break. Did you know the government's been tracking us on our cell phones during the pandemic? We'll get uh, more information to you on that. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. Back with the program, Mike and John here. Wanted to to kind of go back in time a little bit, John. Uh, as you know, I uh, started my, uh, my early days off in uh, computer retailing. I do indeed. I yeah. think I bought my first PC from you. <laughs> I still find that really weird. Yeah. Uh, no, I used to work at uh, Doppler Computers back in the uh, the 90s, and I have a lot of fun memories. Just uh, you know, getting get my hands on all the cool computer gear back then, 386s and yeah, it was 486s and Pentiums came out. Well, I remember 
going to Doppler because of the fact that you guys were one of the few places that had just had a huge amount of retail space. Yeah. And you had all the toys. It's like a candy store for nerds. Well, there was a few uh, cool stores around uh, at the time. And, you know, we're talking here in uh, Vancouver. Uh, you know, Future Shop was just kind of starting to percolate. Uh, but uh, one of the other stores uh, I remember uh, quite well was uh, PC Galore. We've got uh, the man over there. His name is Greg Baker. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Uh, it's uh, fantastic that you're keeping this up. And, and it's interesting that you bring up Doppler computer because I just happen to be drinking my uh, coffee from my Doppler computer cup. Oh, so, get out of uh, here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your your history, uh, Greg. Uh, like, how long have you had your computer store, and and how are you still around? Uh, part craziness, I guess. Yeah. Uh, part uh, passion. Um, so history, um, fresh out of um, a French and Russian literature degree uh, from Western, I was looking for something to do. Uh, my father at the and well, you know what you should open a used computer store. And that was in 1994. Uh, there weren't uh, really any used computer stores at the time. And uh, I had a closet full of computers, uh, old computers. Uh, my Osborne one that I used uh, in high school, my Radio Shack Model 100, my TI-99 4A. And I put those on the shelf, put price tags on them. And uh, I played games and waited for customers to come in. And John. I was uh, 20, uh, 23 years old. Uh, John, I think you and I could open our own old used computer. Well, well that, that's actually how I met Greg. I was selling uh, some old computer tech. What were you selling? Uh, my Commodore monitor. Oh my, I remember those. Those were the monitor back then. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Greg says, do you have anything else? And I'm like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. And he ended up buying a, my Radio Shack TRS-80 Model 3 and uh, the Apple II that I had as well. So, Greg, you, you deal mostly in like used computer, uh, you know, phones and laptops and PCs. Like, is, is there a big market for that? Uh, well, there's been a huge market. Obviously, um, the market has changed over time. And I think one of the reasons we've been uh, able to survive, uh, and I've seen companies like Doppler disappear, Future Shop disappear, uh, these big big stores disappear is because we've been nimble enough to adjust to times. And uh, I've also benefited uh, from being on the trailing edge of tech. I, I enjoy, uh, and I think our customers believe it too, that there's really no need to get a, uh, get the latest computer uh, when, you know, last year's model or a two-year-old model will do just fine. I think that's particularly true today, uh, certainly last last 15 years anyways. Um, uh, you know, the incremental changes between, you know, processors and, and, and versions of computers have been, it's been so small uh, that there's really no need to run out and get the latest thing. How long do you think a computer is good for nowadays? I remember back in the day, like, I always had to get, like, the newest computer, you know, m- if I had to wait two years, that was a long time, like because things were just changing all all the time, and uh, it, it just seemed, you know, there were big changes. Like, how long do you think they last now? Like, uh, well, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, the the hardware and software manufacturers really dictate that more and more because 
uh, you know, especially with Apple, uh, they antiquate their hardware in a shorter amount of time now than they used to. So uh, the operating systems uh, used to last longer hardware, but now, you know what, you can't run Monterey on a uh, 2013 computer, uh, whereas it used to last over longer than that. So how long can you use a computer? Well, um, I, I mean, I see people using them for 10 years at least. Uh, or longer, uh, you know, the majority of people, I think, uh, switch after four to six years, uh, businesses, of course, and I deal with a lot of businesses that unload their, their old equipment to me, they're turning their computers over every three years. Um, and so it really depends on who you're dealing with. And, <laughs> like I, I've seen on your site, I've, I've gone on there, you know, you've got the little laptops and stuff, but I mean, you're even selling like iPhone fives, you know, unlocked iPhone fives for a hundred dollars. Is there still a big market for the older phones? A big market? No. Um, phones in particular are challenging because there's so much competition from the uh, providers. So, uh, I mean, there's. I, I still sell iPhone fives, uh, iPhone six. It's, it's moved up to now. I'd say minimum six uh, iPhone sevens, that sort of thing. Uh, but because providers offer, uh, you know, financing deals for their phones, packaged with plans, um, there are fewer and fewer people that take advantage of, you know, uh, you know, the older phones. They also like like their hardware even faster so you want to run the latest OS. uh there's a a short window basically uh for you to to hold on to your phone you're you're looking at replacing it uh or not being able to run the current ios after let's say six six years and then they decide okay well you can't you can't run the latest updates you still use your phone but you can't run the latest updates we're talking with Greg Baker. He's uh, the man over at uh, PC Galoris, a, a local Vancouver shop that's been around for decades now. I remember them back uh, in the, the 90s when I was in the computer game. Uh, but just fascinated, like there's still just a, a big market for a lot of the used gear, John. Well, and also a lot of accessories and those weird cables that you can't get anymore. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I think Greg has all that kind of stuff too. I do. I, uh, I, uh, hoard a lot of things <laughs> and uh i uh, i uh, get requests for very odd cables um uh and uh, pc galore is a bit of a memory game trying to remember where i <laughs> i put that odd usb cable or that odd uh bnc cable or whatever it is where somebody comes in and they have an old camera and they want to connect their old camera uh you know to their computer, but it requires a Canon camera and it requires some crazy, you know, proprietary Canon cable. So, uh, I stock that stuff. It's, um, it's part craziness and, uh, part, you know, interest. So one of the things you, you mentioned to me when, when we met was that, uh, you, you, ha you're sort of in the process of building out a museum of computing tech. Yes. Well, that's, uh, been a passion of mine. Um, and it, it's it started really um, well. Uh, I mean, I'm nostalgic for things uh, that I've had in the past. 
uh, as we all are, perhaps. Uh, uh, for me, you know, uh, I uh, I see a, an Osborne or a TI-99 4A or an Apple II Plus, and it, it takes me back to when I was, you know, 8 or 9 or 10 years old, and I was playing games with my friends uh, on a Commodore 64, that pixelated uh, image. Uh, but for me, at the time, it, it was such a novel thing. I saw these computers and I was just mesmerized by them. I just thought, this is fantastic. And so I look at these now. I, I've, ha- I've been in this business for almost 30 years. Um, I've amassed quite a collection of computers, probably, I, I would say safely, you know, one of the most significant in Canada. I uh, rent them to movies uh, uh, or series that want period pieces. Uh, but for me, it's mainly uh, about my interest and my passion for, you know, uh, these uh, tools, these uh, devices that we used uh, or uh, in the past and, and how it's progressed. You know, a lot of people collect cars um, and it's for the same reason, nostalgia. They, they see an old design that they really admire. Well, for me, I look at a... You know, I have a, a, a Next Cube or an MSA or an Altair, and I'm fascinated with this stuff. Like, I mean, for in terms of design, you know, Steve Jobs really, uh, that was his, uh, his world. It was about designing uh, a device that was an aesthetically pleasing um, device, whereas most PCs were less so. But uh, there are just so many fascinating things in the Apple world uh, and in the PC world that, uh, you know, it's driven me to do this. So we've been talking with Gregory Baker. He's uh, the man over at PC Galore, a really cool uh, used PC shop here in Vancouver, but they also have a website if you want to check out some of their things as well, uh, pcgalore.com. I want to thank you for coming on the program today. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. Fantastic show going to have to go down and uh, check out uh, the fever dream of, <laughs> <laughs> of uh, computer gear. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio show. I'm Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to talk about iPods now. John, do you remember your first iPod? I do. I didn't have the very first one because back then those were pretty expensive. Yeah, I, I remember buying iPod, um, the photo one. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Which I thought, wow, not only can I store all of my my songs on my iPod, I can store crappy little versions of my photos <laughs> as well. I think I paid $600 for that thing, John. Yeah, I, I think I, I lost interest in the iPod when the iPhone came out in 2007. Yeah. If you remember, I did have a I did have an iPod Shuffle. Do you remember those little tiny ones? Yeah, they didn't have a screen or anything, but they were great. They were tiny, and you could fit lots of music on them, and great for what I what I liked about the Shuffle was that it had a little clip on it, so you can like clip it onto your hat or to your shirt. Yeah, and then you just had tiny little uh, your headphones connected to it, and you were good to go. The first iPod introduced back in October two thousand one. Uh, Apple was still really heavily relying on their computers. Steve Jobs uh, was trying to expand their uh, their mobile space, and this was uh, 
a step in that direction. It, it's almost like when he announced it, they they had ve- invented the digital music player, John. But there had there had been MP3 players out before that. Yeah, I think that kind of solidified Apple's sort of um, the way they worked in the sense that, yeah, we didn't invent this, but we made it better and so much so that you're going to forget all the previous attempts at this particular technology. I mean, I think the iPhone is probably the biggest example of that because before the iPhone, everything was just a big brick. Yeah. But you know what? Like I I remember Creative Labs had, I think it was the Zen. uh, There was Diamond Multimedia had something as well. So I actually had portable music players before the iPod. But to your point, they, they did make it easier. They, you know, had their iTunes software and they had their own music store essentially. And it, it kind of changed and revolutionized the music world. I know if you look back, MP3s did that, the, the compressed versions uh, or digital versions of songs that people basically ripped off of uh, CDs. Uh, But Apple, I think, turned the whole digital music or helped turn that tide into a more, uh, more of a business that, you know, the, the music companies could get on board with. I think that was also one of the first um, consumer devices from Apple that was really, it's one of those things that is iconic in the sense that everyone wanted it and it was very coveted. And do you remember the original packaging on some of the earlier models? It was very elaborate. Like they would open up and they would like pop up and all these crazy things. And it came with a ton of stuff too. And, you know, as we get further down uh, to modern time, modern day times, they've gotten rid of most of the packaging and you get nothing with your stuff anymore. It's, it's very true. So they came out with different versions. Um, you know, they had the iPod photo. Uh, I think there was the video iPod. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the shuffle um, and, and different incarnations of the nano. Like, I have a drawer full of nanos because all the kids, they had the little nanos. They, you know, you could play music, but you could also watch little videos on them. Yeah. But the size of a, a matchbook almost, or maybe a little bit larger than that. But they were wonderful. I could load like little videos and, and shows on them and the kids could watch that in the car while we're going on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the iPod Touch was quite a cool little device. You know, if you couldn't afford or... For a while, there wasn't even a, they weren't even available in Canada. If you couldn't get an iPhone um, back in the day, you could have like a mini mini iPad at the time that, for most people, fit in your hand perfectly well and had, you know, the uh, the really nice screens and that kind of stuff. So it was very. It was like an iPhone. Yeah, but it was thinner and it was uh, just the battery lasted forever. It, it, it really was amazing. and But no one could ever really touch them. I know Microsoft tried to. Do you remember the Zune? I think I still have one in my garage somewhere. I have to be yeah. honest, I loved it. I thought it was a much better interface than the yeah. iPod. But Apple just had so much momentum. Like, you'd be crazy to get, like, a competitor. Player. Well, it was interesting, too, because at the time, the iPod, I think, was a sexier device but getting your music onto the iPod was a chore yeah. compared to some of the other place, other companies that would basically just allow you to just drag and drop your music onto it. You didn't have to go through like an iTunes interface. You didn't have to sync all your stuff. You just, it turned into basically just a big thumb drive. Yeah. 
which was uh, which was wonderful. How many iPods do you have kicking around? I probably just have the shuffle. I was yeah. always, and I still am, good at upgrading and then selling the old one before the new one sort of wiped it out as far as value. Yeah. Uh, I was not with the iPods. <laughs> I, I probably have six or seven nanos, probably a couple shuffles here and there. I, I don't know how many iPod touches, maybe a couple of those too. And I've got the old, uh, the old versions of the iPods as well. It, it's interesting. There's a whole aftermarket of these companies that basically refurbish and upgrade the old iPods. You know how they'd have, I forget, maybe they had the biggest one was like 160 gigs of storage or 100 gigs of storage. They're putting like terabyte drives in these things. So you can have like literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of songs on it. A lot of people still really prefer that type of a device as something you carry with you because they want to disconnect. They don't want to have Facebook and everything else notifications popping up while they're trying to listen to music and just going for a walk or run or whatever. And so there, there is definitely a a burgeoning community of people that are interested in these devices and you can buy them for, for dirt at thrift stores now. And then you, like you said, you just go online and you, you buy some of these replacement upgrade parts. You can do it yourself or you can take it to a place. They'll do it for you. And you have this pretty cool little device, little piece of history that has a little bit more modern, internals in it now and good to go talking all about apple's ipod they're discontinuing the last model that they've been making the ipod touch uh i don't think people are going to be rushing out to grab uh, the last ones there john i mean there's so many you can get online now there's still tons for sale and obviously on places like craigslist uh, but uh, you know, the iPhone and uh, these other smartphones, uh, just the technology and along with the music subscription services, uh, including from Apple uh, and Spotify, it's just more convenient to have a subscription service for 10 bucks a month and have access to 25 million songs whenever you want than trying to store all your own music. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think it's probably been time, like I said, off the top. I didn't even realize they were still making them. When we come back from the break, how would you like to get rid of all your passwords? Apple, Google, and Microsoft are trying to make that uh, future a reality. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Gagarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It's on every Sunday across the Chorus Radio Network and uh, also Saturday nights in Toronto. On uh, The App Show tomorrow... We'll be talking all about the new Google announcements. They've got new phones, a new watch, and some really cool new AR or augmented reality glasses uh, that you'll want to hear about. Right now, though, we're going to talk about passwords. I know, not a sexy thing, but it's uh, it's something I wish that we didn't have to have, John. Uh, you know, you want to have different passwords for all the different things you're logging into, whether that's Amazon or your Netflix account or even your banking uh, site. But it's difficult to to manage all that. Well, it looks like Apple, Google, and Microsoft are joining together uh, as a consortium to try to do away with the passwords uh, in in the future. Uh, More of a passwordless sign-in standard. Uh, This is part of the FIDO Alliance and the World Wide Web Consortium. So this could be anything from PIN numbers uh, to biometrics like face or fingerprint uh, identification. Do you see this happening anytime soon, John? 
I, I think we've already started to see it. Um, I know my um, Skype account, my Microsoft account, Microsoft gave you the option um, about a couple of months ago, I think, to actually get rid of your password. And it will use a different way to authenticate you. And in that case, it knows your email address and it will send you a unique one-time use code for logging in. And so it's essentially like a two-factor authentication, but what's this is doing uh, going forward, and it's interesting, I, I kind of imagine, you know, somebody from Apple, somebody from Google, and someone from Microsoft sitting around a table at a bar or something like that, sort of planning this all out. Um, the idea is that you'll be able to use your biometrics to prove that you're who you are. We're already doing that a lot on our mobile phones uh, to get into the phones, and the same thing with getting into various accounts. But the the common goal here is that it'll be a standard, and this will be baked into the operating systems that we all use, and this will be something that everybody will be using. It's much less hackable than a password, because the thing is you just need two things with a, to use a password. You need the password, and you need the username or the email address that's associated with it. Um, Two-factor authentication's good, but it's still not completely bulletproof either because your SIM can be compromised and the hackers can intercept your, the text message codes that you would get. Um, they can uh, um, hack into your email and basically resettle your passwords and just, you wouldn't even know about it because it probably happened in the middle of the night. By the time you wake up in the morning, all your stuff is gone and changed and unaccessible by you. So this just adds another layer of physical security where it's going to be interesting, though, because it's going to be using biometrics, is where is that information going to be stored, especially on uh, certain types of uh, systems that aren't controlled by Apple, Google, or Microsoft. So having that information on your phone, is it actually only on your phone and not on a server somewhere for, uh, say, a shopping site or somewhere else? Well, I don't know. yeah, it, it is interesting, John. I mean, like, in many cases, we are using biometrics on our smartphones. Uh, yeah, you typically still have to enter in a PIN or a password to get into your phone. But I'm, you know, using, for example, Apple Pay when I go to stores. It's just using my face yeah. as as kind of the password when I want to make a purchase. Yeah, which makes me actually feel safe. And I know there's these stories of people that uh, have been able to bypass that because maybe they are a twin or they have a lot of the same facial symmetry in in the family but it's it's highly unlikely someone can can yeah, break in that's that's a family problem not a hacking problem <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> just bought a new bike with your iphone yeah <laughs> but then i get you know questions from people well you know if we go fully biometric are we in danger of uh, criminals cutting off our fingertips to <laughs> to you know rob bank machines and take our money out I, I i don't think so no i don't think so and it's been kind of proven that that doesn't actually work it only works in the movies but like how far do you think we are away from like actually not having to use passwords like because that that future is coming when you know these sensors will be able to even more than like facial recognition and, and fingerprints but probably even recognizing our dna do you know what i mean well, this particular alliance that has been formed, they're saying that this stuff will debut later this year. 
And, you know, we're kind of already, already there uh, on my MacBook. I don't use a password once in a while. Like when I do a clean reboot, I have to put a password in the same thing with my iPad or my iPhone. I have to use a pin or a password, but when I open the lid on my MacBook, my watch just unlocks it, or I use my fingerprint on the fingerprint reader. So we're kind of there where it'd be interesting to see how they use it is right now, those types of verification systems only really happen when you're like purchasing something. So if I want to use Apple pay on a website, which I actually just did just before we recorded this, I just put my finger on my fingerprint reader and it knows all the address, my credit card, all that stuff. And it just, just worked. What if I could just do that to log into various applications like Facebook or uh, Google or whatever, uh, just put in my finger there and that's all I have to do. Not just on my phone, but also on my, on my laptop. Well, I, I, for one, I'm looking forward to uh, this better authentication. I, I think it'll just make things a lot safer and, and I'm hoping, John, take just the confusion out of everything. You know, two-factor authentication is confusing for a lot of folks. I think we still have to have that in some form, but uh, the more that we can do away with the passwords uh, for all these different sites and apps and everything that we're doing, I, I think will uh, lead to a, a better future. Okay, we uh, still have some time left. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, more tech to talk here and Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. So, John, I'm uh, actually doing the radio show from Tofino, British Columbia, uh, this week. And I will be next week as well. I've uh, got my uh, big travel trailer here, and I've uh, I've got it all uh, kind of wired and wireless. It's teched out. It's uh, It's been pretty interesting. The mobile Get Connected trailer. It, <laughs> yeah, I you can do be, the radio. You should take it to CES next year. <laughs> That's a long drive. <laughs> I think I'll just rather stay in the hotels, but uh, it's been interesting. I, I bought one of those little travel routers, uh, John, uh, from GLNet, and uh, it's been pretty cool. It's uh, about the size of a deck of cards, but it's got a built-in repeater. And what's cool about it is that I can set up my Wi-Fi, like my my trailer Wi-Fi, and then every time I hit a, a different uh, campground, I can basically just input... Uh, the Wi-Fi name there, and it'll just repeat it to the trailer Wi-Fi. So I don't have to keep putting in new Wi-Fi passwords for every campground that I'm going into for all the devices in my my trailer, like my TV and the laptops and phones and like that. Yeah, no, I, I've been looking at those little travel routers. There's a new one coming out very soon. It's apparently, I think, 6E compatible. Oh. Yeah. Too bad none of the campgrounds are. Well, there's that. <laughs> Your devices might be. It, it's cool, John. Um, I um, I hooked up uh, an Amazon Echo Show in the trailer here, and so I have um, an auxiliary cord going from it into the uh, the stereo system here because I've got speakers inside and outside the trailer. So now instead of just having the radio uh, or having to Bluetooth music from my phone, which is always a pain. Uh, now I've just got my, my Amazon Echo Show that I can just talk to and tell it to play music. Of course, you have to have Wi-Fi for it, but it just makes it so much easier. I, I, it's like you've never left home. It, it really isn't. That's all the time we have left. I want to thank uh, John and Robin who helped put uh, the shows uh, together. This is Mike and John logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you back uh, on the App Show coming up tomorrow or Saturday night in Toronto.